So guys, today's episode, it's a Friday, it's an interview day. I am interviewing Sean Sweet from Blend B2B. They are a diamond tier HubSpot agency and we have plenty to bring you. Sean will be talking about inbound marketing, what small businesses should and shouldn't be doing and the dangers of doing certain activity and what that could affect your business and how that affects your business. And also talking about the growth of the agency as a business owner. So, you know, talking about the struggles he's been through um, and and where they are and where they've come to. So it's going to be a really, really good interview today. Um, I've known Sean for some time. I think we're coming up on three years. Could be something like that. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm going to bring Sean in. So bear with me. Um, Sean Sweet, Blend B2B director, you know, we're your diamond tier partner at HubSpot now. Um, just keep going for records, don't you, really? I mean, I've known you three years, is it 2015, inbound 2015? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and there's been remarkable growth and achievement in the business, and I'm, I'm glad that we're friends. Um, but... You know, this podcast is about value for the listeners, so I'm going to shut up and I'm going to let you start by telling people who you are, and then um, if you can go from there and talk about uh, the growth of Blend B two B, what got you to Diamond Structure, uh, sorry, Diamond Partner, and how and what drives that forward. Mm. So, um, so I'm Sean Sweet, great friend of uh, Paul Sullivan, I should say. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, co-founder and director of uh, Blend Marketing. And we're a marketing uh, agency specializing in inbound for uh, B2B tech firms. Uh, we were founded in 2010, um, and both Phil, my co-founder, and myself came from a fairly technical background, um, but we had a keen interest in marketing, and it seemed like a very good fit for us uh, to uh, start an agency together. But we didn't find inbound um, as a concept until a few years later and that's when our real growth began um, so we're based in reading uh, just outside of london and um, we've grown from the two of us uh, to 19 of us now in the business and uh, we're seeing continued growth um, in, in this space which has been absolutely fantastic we're thrilled with it um, and there are a number of reasons i think that we've managed to grow uh, the way that we have and I think some of those reasons are, you know, are quite, quite important for people who are starting their own businesses or, or maybe even struggling with a, a, to make a business make money because we, we didn't get it right all the time. We spent three years getting it wrong, spectacularly wrong, actually. Okay. Um, so we learned a lot of lessons along the way. Okay. So um, in terms of my listeners, they're, they're mainly going to be um, small businesses, solopreneurs, um, people that are really looking through ideas that, that they can apply to their own businesses in terms of actually business development, not even necessarily marketing. And what, what from your experience do you think that you could share that people could actually maybe you know, step back from trying to just bang their heads and drive forward and actually you know, assess the situation and then maybe re, reinvent the business or, or reapply themselves in a different way in the business? Mm. Yeah, it's a really good question because sometimes you, you can feel like you're, you want to do a good job, you're, you're good at what you do, and yet it's not finding um, resonance with your, uh, with your audience and, you, and you're not able to, uh, you know, you find it difficult to take on new customers. 
Um, you find it difficult even maybe to recruit um, first, second, third members of your team. Uh, and uh, so I'd probably go all the way back, uh, and that is to really think about the customers you want to work with first. Who is it you want to work with and what do they really want? Um, and most customers want to know that the person they're going to be dealing with is expert in, in what they need. And one mistake that a lot of businesses make is that they try to be all things to all people mm-hmm. uh, because they don't want to miss any opportunities. Unfortunately, it means that, that they don't actually receive any opportunities at all. Yeah. And I think one of the big reasons why we managed to grow as we did is because we, we, we managed to be specific about what we were offering and who we were offering it to. So anyone who asked me what we did, we were a B2B marketing agency when we specialized in um, inbound for tech firms. So if you're a technology firm and you're interested in going inbound, we kind of, we're already an obvious fit. Uh, so that takes that hurdle out of the way. If we'd have said we do inbound for anyone, then we wouldn't have necessarily um, resonated with anyone in particular. Yep. So that was the first thing that I think we, um, uh, we did well. Secondly, we went all in um, with HubSpot. Now, that isn't obviously everyone hasn't got that opportunity necessarily, uh, but we were totally focused on providing one particular service, uh, and that was on that platform. And so, again, if someone wanted inbound and they were a tech firm and they were interested in HubSpot, we ticked another box. And as that was a growing market, it meant we were kind of on a bit of a boat that was on a rising tide. So it would have been pretty difficult to fail um, in any sort of spectacular fashion given the fact that we were uh, did the other two things um, first as well, i.e. Uh, being specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course, we then employed the right people. So someone told me quite a while ago, he's the director of a, or chairman of a very big marketing firm. He said, employ people who are smarter than you. And while that might not seem to be very difficult, <laughs> it's quite, sometimes <laughs> for owners of businesses, it's quite daunting to take on people who are really smart because you kind of, you know, you don't want to be outshone by your team. But I, I, I kind of really did. I really, wa- I really wanted everyone to like amaze me all the time. Yeah. Uh, but what they could do, and I wanted them to be good at the things I wasn't good at. Um, you know, I'm great. I, I think I'm great at running a business, understanding how cash flow works, and how to motivate a team. I'm not a great designer. I'm not a great developer. I'm not a great writer. Yep. So I wanted those people to be great, and um, and to amaze me as much as they possibly could. And of course, looking after my team the way I do, uh, I know that they're going to look after our customers really well. Okay. So to, to expand on that then, I think the logical question is, what's the culture at Blend? Yeah, that's uh, what we, culture, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, you know, if you, tr- if you try to create a culture um, with it, almost in a dictatorial way, it almost goes against what you're trying to do. Sure. So I don't think you could be fake uh, when, you're, when you're trying to get the right sort of culture. The culture we have here is very much one of um, personal responsibility and trust. I really trust the team that they're, going, they're doing the best they can for our clients. That doesn't mean that I don't have oversight. Um, I do. I maintain oversight um, because actually people need help as well to be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm not controlling. So... Uh, and nor is, uh, nor is my, um, my colleague Phil not controlling at all. We want to give people um, the space to be able to do their best work. And I don't want the best work to be only as good as I can imagine. So I trust them. 
And uh, I also trust that they'll make mistakes, of course. And that's another thing. You know, some, some people do believe that, you know, if you trust your team, then they can't make mistakes because you put your trust in them. I trust that they absolutely will make mistakes as I will. Uh, but I'm there to help and I'm there to defend them, um, not against our customers, but, you know, on behalf of our customers, really, because they also need to put a lot of trust in the team because what we're doing is important for their businesses. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the culture that's evolved here is one of, you know, when, when people come to work, they know that, well, hopefully they're looking forward to coming here because there's, there's no politics. Um, we try and keep that out of the workplace. Um, there's a, a reasonably fun environment, um, but there's a real focus on output quality work. And so it's a sort of work hard, play hard um, environment we've got going on here. And, uh, and actually, the, the team has taken on a life of its own. You know, they go out you know, in the evenings and have great fun. And we finish early on a Friday and raid the beer fridge we've put in place. And, uh, play a lot of table football. The banter is quite lively. Um, we're all a team together. And I think that is the culture we've managed to um, develop. And you know, some of that was borrowed from other companies who we um, admire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of it has been, you know, of our own making. Okay. So I think I need to come down on a Friday one day. Absolutely, yeah, if you can take it. <laughs> um, so um, just moving along in, in, in the questioning, um, one of the things that I kind of have, have droned out is that inbound marketing um, and marketing automation are not the same thing. And I think that people get confused with it being, they think that marketing automation is this, like wow solution that is going to resolve all their problems and it's not so what you see fundamentally occurring is problems in the funnel right because they think the software is going to provide the solution but the software typically is just an enabler you agree i would i think you know it's like uh if you put if you put rubbish in you're going to get rubbish out yeah Uh, like any like any sort of program i suppose yeah marketing automation no it absolutely won't solve a problem but i think it's a it's a matter of when people talk about marketing automation what they're really thinking about is the is the management of data yep um inbound is all inbound is that yes it's about um, bringing people to you as opposed to your sales going out cold to to them it's about engaging people at a much earlier stage in their thought process um that's what inbound's about by the time you've got the someone's details, they've expressed some interest, uh, you know that um, they might need what it is that you do. The process of engaging with them over a longer period of time, and if you're in the B2B space, as all our customers are, sales lead times can be long. So therefore, you have to keep, you have to keep your business, your brand front of their mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, that takes some form of automation because one or two marketing people can't manage um, a whole heap of data. So you need to put some processes in place so that you don't you don't miss opportunities, um, leads don't fall through the cracks, and that you engage with people in a logical and sensible way. And you can only do that if your data sits in one location, because then you can make take meaningful action based on what that person is actually doing. I if they haven't been back to your website in a long time, get them back, send them an email, automate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they've downloaded one particular piece of content and you've got another piece of content that might be relevant to them, send it to them in a week or two. You're being helpful. Um, you're being present. Uh, and I think that's what marketing automation um, is, but it won't solve 
um, all the problems. You know, if you don't have a sales process, for instance, what a waste of time. If your website isn't very good, chances are you're going to lose any credibility you built during your, when you were producing your content. Mm-hmm. Fact is, you need a holistic approach to absolutely everything in order to get it all working properly. And your data is at the heart of it. Excellent answer. So, um, in terms of uh, 2018, right? You probably I would imagine that Blender hitting targets, you're on par for your growth targets, but transforming that away from Blend and just looking at the market in general, if you're a business owner and you're, you know, you're, you're, you're considering inbound, you've, you've got money. So we're not talking about people that are scratching at the bottom of the pan. We're talking about people that are funded or, you know, that they can get into a reasonable expenditure around automation software. What would you say the rest of 2018 looks like or could look like for that that person? What should they be focusing on? I mean, it really depends, um, which isn't a very good answer (laughs) to your question. Okay, so let me try and be more specific in what I'm saying. Um, Let's just assume most people have tried and failed at some form of content-based marketing, okay? Um, Whether the content's not good, whether they're just being self-promotional within the content and not educational, whatever their problems are, if you were picking up a business that had had any of those problems or, or more problems around that that I've just mentioned, what would you say the next nine months or the next eight months of 2018 should look like in terms of planning for a business? So I can certainly tell you what I see a lot of, and we talk to a lot of new businesses that are thinking about this and they've, they've been burned. Some mm-hmm. sort of say they've been burned. They haven't really. What they've done is they've done a lot of the right stuff, but none of it's joined up. So it's very siloed. So they try some email marketing and then that doesn't really work or it doesn't provide the results that they want. They might get some a good open rate or they might get a click rate, but nothing else happens. Mm-hmm. They don't really get anything at the bottom of that funnel, i.e. opportunities. Mm-hmm. So then they move into a bit of social media, do that for a while. And they throw a bunch of money at that. And then that might produce some like sketchy uh, results. And they think this social media it doesn't work, does it? And they might try a bit of you know webinars. And The point is, you can't silo your marketing efforts. Mm-hmm. They have they have to be as part of an overarching plan, um, or you or none of them will work particularly well. And you might be left with the impression that it can't work, or your business it works for other businesses, but yours is different. Yours is special. Yours is a bit too technical. Okay, um, but it's not true. Uh, it's a matter of if you are going to drive, if you have a website that converts and you can prove it converts, drive traffic to it. Um, Drive traffic to it from a range of sources. Go for organic, do some SEO, do some um, social, do some paid social, do some paid search, i.e. Google AdWords. Do lots of things, but with with the same outcome in mind, driving them to the same place. And that might be an ebook, it might be anywhere with that where a form sits. That's what you need to do. You need to have a more holistic approach to your marketing. So um, would yeah. you say holistic approach with intent would be the way to say it having intent in everything that you do make sure there's a purpose a strategy and apply it absolutely because you because you need to measure what's working and what's not working so you know the old adage is that you know half my work marketing spend is, is not working but you don't know which half um it's no longer true because most marketing happens online and online is ultimately it's quite um measurable mm-hmm. so 
you know, if you're doing a campaign and it's all, if you're, if you're doing a wide campaign across many channels and you can see how each one of those channels is performing, um, you can put more of your spend into the channels that work better and less into the ones that don't work so well, or you can try and fix the problems in those individual channels. Uh, but unless everything's joined up, how will you ever know? And unless you measure it, you won't know. Uh, so yeah, absolutely. You need to do things with intent. There has to be a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sanity these days says that, that that goal is opportunities at the bottom of the funnel, not how many visitors you can get to your website because they could be anyone, mm-hmm. uh, not even how many leads you generate because, again, they, they might be there for the wrong reasons. How many opportunities are coming at the bottom and saying, uh, we're interested in what you do, can you talk to us? That's an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And that's, really, that's really what you want to uh, spend your marketing money on, yeah. finding those. Okay. Yeah, with intent. I like the word intent. I think I'm going to use it more in conversation. <laughs> well, I've given you something today. That's brilliant. <laughs> Loads. Um, so tips and advice on online business growth, right? The one question, I think the one problem I, I think that people also fail to comprehend with content-based marketing strategy is that if that's your sole go-to-market strategy, it's really long, right? It's, it's an extremely long process of building up a catalog of content that's going to enable you to answer all of the questions that you can answer. Um, So in terms of um, strategy and off the cuff strategy for a medium sized, you know, let's, let's just say the solopreneur, he's selling himself. He might have some time. He's well organized or she's well organized. What would be your tips and advice on forming an online strategy? We need all the elements in place. Right. Uh, these days you cannot do without a website. Okay. That's essential, but it doesn't have to be big. Um, it doesn't have to contain everything you do within the website. It's just got to be a place where people can get enough information to reach out. Mm-hmm. So a good website, well-designed, with the user in mind, um, as in your potential customers, mm-hmm. is essential. SEO. I mean, anything you produce, if if there's no SEO value there, how are people ever going to find it online? They won't. SEO is incredibly important. And the way you deliver SEO is via your on-page web pages and via the content that you produce. And Paul, you're right. It takes a long time to build up a catalog big enough, uh, a content catalog big enough to drive meaningful results. And that means you have to supplement those results by buying traffic. Uh, so the early stages, you definitely want to budget a bit of money for buying some traffic because that's another way of testing what parts of your website are working and, and how your content, uh, your converting content is working. When I say converting content, I mean, I mean an ebook or a white paper that sits yeah. behind a landing page with a form on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's doing things in the right sort of order. And uh, I suppose if I could paint an example, an example of someone who spends a lot of money on paid traffic, driving it to a website that doesn't convert is wasting their money. You need a website that's in place that can convert. You need a bit of content in place that that can convert. So we, uh, so as a marketing company, our biggest converting piece of content um, is the guide to uh, B2B inbound marketing. Mm-hmm. We know it converts at around 40%. So 40% of the people who land on that landing page will become a known lead to us. Mm-hmm. So I can advertise that via LinkedIn, via Google. Yep. I can pay, and I know that um, two-thirds or uh, you know, just over a third of the people who um, click on that ad will go on to become a lead. 
And so I can pretty much, pretty easily calculate what the cost of that lead is to me and make a business decision about whether I'm willing to pay it. Okay. Uh, but without that information, you're flying a bit blind. So to build a, a strategy is really about using a bit of common sense. Um, don't spend money unless you know what the outcome is likely to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and do things in the right order. So okay. start with where people are going to convert and then build it out. So once you've got your website, once you've got your downloadable pieces of content, start blogging to the different personas that you want to reach about the issues that affect them. Um, and uh, make sure that your SEO strategy flows through all of that. Okay. Sean, I've loved everything you said, right? And you've just touched on my favorite subject, which we have touched on, as you know, by personas. So um, let's just have a quick finale to uh, this conversation with personas, right? Um, how important are they to the marketing strategy in, in reality? I mean, forget what I like about them, but you know, you're independent. How important are they? Uh, I think they're, they're very important, certainly when it comes to the blocking side of things, but actually it's very important not to have too many. Okay, yeah. Because <laughs> if, you, if you start working it out, for every persona that you have, you've got to create a lot of content to uh, penetrate that particular market. Mm-hmm. So you don't want to have too many. Yep. Um, I know about three years ago when we started creating personas for our clients, we'd have 20, you know, uh-huh. CIO, the CTO, the, <laughs> the list would go on and on and on. And we'd write content for all of them, but we can, customers could never afford to pay to write enough content. Yep. Uh, and so uh, it, it tended not to be um, very, uh, very good at penetrating those particular markets. Well, now we, uh, we, we've certainly boiled down our personas into about three key personas. Yep. And then we, we hammer the content of those personas. They're very important because until, unless you've worked out what the personas are, how do you know what those real challenges uh, that those people are facing? And that's how your content is going to engage with them. If you just send out a sales brochure to someone, uh, your, your target persona, they're going to put it in a bin. You know, they're not going to be interested. Whereas if you're trying to help them solve a problem, maybe uh, to help them solve the problem themselves without your help uh, beyond your content, uh, chances are when they can't do that, they trust you enough to come to you and ask for uh, more, uh, more advice or potentially do some work with you. Okay. Uh, that's how we get a lot of our, that's how we get a lot of our uh, inquiry. In fact, most of our, most of our inquiries that come from inbound these days. Last month we had 30, um, MQLs sitting at the bottom of our pipe. Okay. So they're that's, all, yeah, that, that's pretty good, but that's after about two years of producing a lot of content. Yeah, okay, okay. So I'm just going to sign off with this. Um, I recently went out to Madrid and spoke at the World Retail Congress. And on the way out there, personally, I was thinking about my own funnel and um, my lack of activity within outbound prospecting. Right, because obviously, as inbounders, we're like, no, you don't do outbound; it's interrupted. Do you feel, in any way, shape, or form, some semblance of outbound activity fits in a marketing strategy? If, if by outbound you mean reaching out to people cold, yep, yes, probably. But it's more effective if it comes as a um, if it comes um, as a result of inbound you've done before. Okay. So you might reach out to someone um, on LinkedIn, for instance, who you've identified as being um, a potential person to talk to. Think in your own mind that person has never heard of you at all. They don't know you from Adam. They've never seen anything you've done. Yep. 
then uh, it's going to be harder to engage with them. Yeah. If you've written a lot of content on Pulse, if that still exists, or, yeah. or any other platform within LinkedIn, or you've blogged a lot and you made a name for yourself, and then you reach out to that person, are they more likely to engage with you or not? They're more likely to engage with you. And that's so that outbound activity is much more successful as a result of inbound. I don't think it's either or these days. Yeah. I think it's about doing things for the right reasons at the right time. Yeah. Um, and uh, outbound can certainly work. Prospecting can certainly work. Yeah. It works a lot better when you're doing the other things. Yeah, of course. It's, it's about the, the intent. Again, it's about the intent and uh, the support that you have around that. And I, I have got quite a lot of content on LinkedIn, luckily for me. Um, but I, it, yeah, it just struck me that this was something that was able. And also um, what I decided to do, and I just tested it, 20 prospects. Um, I just gave away an ebook that I've got behind the gate, but I actually just gave it away up front. I said, look, this is, this is your role. This ebook's really relevant to what you'll, you'll be doing. I'm just going to send it along. Seven out of 20 converted. Um, and I think that it just made me think about how the inbound outbound balance works, but you're right. I do actually have the other stuff sitting behind me. So it's interesting that that conundrum is always going to be there, isn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, people talk about the nature of nurture argument. It's kind of both. It's a bit of both. It's a bit yeah. of everything. Um, why, why does it have to be one or the other? It's not black and white. Life's complicated. Uh, things are murky. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just put your best foot forward. Think about what you're doing. Try and get some logic to it. Be clear about what you're offering. Don't you know, don't send out too many conflicting messages because it just makes you look uh it can make you look a little bit um sketchy. Yep. Uh and be you know and be an expert in what you do. And um if you can do that, then people will respect you and they will listen to you and the whole your whole existence with your customers becomes easier. Okay, cool. Listen, as always, it's been a pleasure talking. Um, I thank you for your time today. Um, I'm sure you've got a lot to get on with this afternoon, like um, that beer fridge, because I'm sure you're getting near that time. Um, 30, yeah. Yeah, but Sean, always a pleasure to speak to you. Thanks for getting involved, and I'm sure we'll hear from you going forward. No problem at all. Pleasure. So guys, that was an interview with Sean Sweet, um, Blend B2B. If you're a large tech company and you're looking for great inbound marketing support, I would 100% back Sean and Blend to service you really well. Um, for guys that are looking for um, maybe a consultant, um, or a smaller company, you know, uh, feel free to reach out to me. I am open for consulting work. You can get in contact with me at Paul at Paul Sullivan Marketing, or you can find me on social at twitter.com forward slash marketing by PS, and again, facebook.com forward slash marketing by PS. And I'm happy to offer some insight or some consultation services as always i'm always looking for feedback topics subjects at some point within the next few weeks i'm going to shift to women in business i would really like to um, promote some of those um, successful 
women in the boardroom and I've got some really, really big hitters lined up for that. So that's gonna be a really interesting twist on what's going on. I'm an avid fan of um, open sponsorship of everybody. So I hope that my fan base is like that. Um, again, get in contact with me if you need me and I'll speak to you soon.